0: Welcome, everybody, to the Untold Story podcast. I'm really pleased today. We have a special guest with us. David Vandrelli is joining us, and he's a journalist, Washington Post, longtime Washington reporter covering politics. He's written a lot of books about history over the years, including, I think, the most recent one, David, a history book was about the Triangle uh, Shirtwaist Fire that changed the country and just taking on fascinating topics. Uh, So it's great to have you here. Welcome, David.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you.
0: So you were sort of living the reporter life in Washington, very fast-paced environment, and you decided to pick up your family and move to Kansas City. Why did you do that? Well,
1: we had four young kids, and uh, my wife, a great journalist herself, was uh, busy with them. And uh, so we were trying to make our way on One reporter's salary in a very expensive and, as you say, very fast paced, Mm -hmm. hard to manage kind of a city. And uh, the opportunity came along to get back to the middle of the country, which is where we're both from, to raise our kids in a place where people don't necessarily get paid to argue for a Mm -hmm. living as uh, we do in (laughs) D.C. And so we came uh, to Kansas City.
0: (laughs) Um, Was it a hard adjustment for you? I mean, after you moved, did it sort of instantly feel right? Or was it getting down to that different piece? Was that a challenge? You know,
1: it it really felt right almost immediately for me. Um, In part, uh, this was something that was much easier to do um, with the Internet than it would have been before, because I could still keep up on the conversation in Washington, D.C., But um, it also felt like I was among people who had a more, you know, balanced view of where politics should fit into our lives as Americans. You know, uh, politics is important. It's how we govern ourselves, but it's not the whole of life. And uh, that's an easier thing to remember um, in the middle of the country, maybe, than in Washington, D.C.,
0: yeah, that's for sure. Um, so you you moved to Kansas City, and after a little while, you have a neighbor uh, who you discover who lives across the street. And I should mention uh, at this point that the, the book that you've written, which is now a New York Times bestseller, it has been a huge hit and is resonating with people across the country. And you have an amazing group of people who have recommended this book, including Tom Hanks and many others. The book is called The Book of Charlie wisdom from the remarkable American life of a 109 year old man. And there's a really charming picture of him on the cover with sort of a dashing scarf around his neck. And he's uh, got his walking stick, which there's a nice little story of even about that in here. But tell me about the first time that you met Charlie.
1: Well, we had just moved into our new home, and the house was still full of half-empty moving boxes, and I went out on a hot August morning, Sunday morning, to pick up the newspaper and I looked up from my driveway and across the street uh, in his driveway was my new neighbor uh, wearing just a pair of swim trunks. uh his muscular chest was rippling as he used a garden hose and a sponge to wash his girlfriend's car, <laughs> uh, which was sitting in his driveway. And uh, he waved to me and I waved back and what was so striking about it was that Charlie had just turned 102 years old. Um, I said, this is somebody I need to meet and get to know. Uh, Even so, this remarkable figure, uh, you don't expect when you meet somebody 102 that you're about to start a long and rich friendship But my friendship with Charlie lasted for the next seven years until he finally died at 109. And I began to think about what were the lessons that he had for me, uh, for my kids and for people living through a time of um, incredible change and and stress and, and drama as we do now.
0: I love the way you weave history and what was going on at the different points in his life through the story. And in in many ways, the things that he doesn't talk about or pay attention to are as significant as the things that were important to him as he was going through life. So tell me a little bit about your friendship and the things that he talked to you about that that really had such a deep impression, such a deep impact on you.
1: Yeah, well, we think so much, and it's true, about how much change we're going to see and our kids are going to see over the next century. But what I realized when I would go across the street and sit and listen to Charlie's stories, he was incredibly lucid uh, his whole life and a great storyteller, um, was that he had lived through change just as dynamic and dramatic as anything that we're facing now. Uh, He had been born in the age of uh, horses and buggies and uh, lived to see people on the International Space Station. Uh, He was born before radio, uh, really before motion pictures, and he lived to see the iPhone. Uh, He was trained as a doctor before penicillin and before advanced surgical techniques, and he lived to be one of the pioneers of open heart surgery in the Kansas City area. so this need to adapt, to be flexible, to uh, uh, be find joy and purpose in life. Uh, he he was a master of it, and I wanted to, you know, bring out those lessons because it's so easy to think that the things we're facing now have never been faced before. But you know, Charlie lived through a pandemic, the flu pandemic of nineteen. 19- 18, when people were complaining about having to stay at home and wear masks, Uh, he lived through two world wars. He lived through a Great Depression, um, and he lived through tremendous social division uh, in the country, Uh, huge fights when Americans were at each other's throats. And uh, it helps to know that uh, we've been in these places before, and we have the the resources uh, as individuals and as a country to, to come through them again.
0: You know, I don't think it gives too much away, I hope, to, to say that he's he endures a great tragedy as a young boy. I think he was eight mm-hmm. or nine years old when this happened and he lost a parent. How, how do you see what happened and if you want to share what happened and and how it impacted Charlie? How did it guide the way he yeah. decided to live his life?
1: Yeah, Charlie was an eight year old boy, a second grader, um, uh, with uh, two loving parents uh, in a family of five. And his father got up and went to work one day in a brand new high-rise building of Kansas City and there was a terrible elevator accident and his father was killed in an instant, a complete fluke as if uh, a piano had fallen out of the sky and landed on his head. This had a tremendous impact on Charlie as it would on any uh, youngster Um, and I think what he learned from that I think he, he, he came very early to a philosophy that I've been Uh, working on my whole life, uh, which is the idea of stoicism, uh, the ancient classical philosophy that teaches us that uh, there are things in our lives, in our worlds, that Even though they affect us, we don't control them. Uh, We don't control fates. We don't control other people. We don't control uh, governments, the tides of history. Uh, We can't fix what happened yesterday. Uh, We can't entirely shape what's coming tomorrow. But we do have control over ourselves, over the attitudes that we uh, embrace uh, about our our lives, uh, over the the aims that we choose and the uh, goals that we uh, set for ourselves and attempt to uh, to meet, in in order to be useful and and meaningful, kind, uh, you know, loving, happy human beings and. That separation, that distinction between what you can control and what you need to let go of uh, was, I think, the essence of Charlie's uh, wisdom and his happiness and the contentment that he had at the end of his incredibly long life.
0: There's a little um, a, a passage that I just wanna read because it's an interesting moment in his life when he's graduating from high school. And I think it, it kind of sums up for me a little bit of what you're talking about in terms of his attitude, um, especially given what had happened to his father. And it says, when he graduated from high school that year, Charlie White felt tested by adversity and seasoned by success. He was the friend and equal of older classmates. He was a help to his mother and a contributor to his family finances. He had been pushed to grow up quickly by his father's untimely death, but doing so had fostered a quiet confidence in his own capacity. He had shown himself to be resourceful, responsible, self-disciplined, and resilient. In the mood and moment, Charlie launched himself on a journey few people had ever taken, a voyage into the future, a quest, an epic joyride. David.
1: This was, uh, this was Charlie's favorite story of all the many, many stories he had to tell, was of the trip he took uh, in the summer after he graduated from high school at age 16. He and two friends uh, took a Model T Ford This was 1922, before there were roads across America. There was not a single paved road going from one end of America to the other. And they set off from Kansas City to drive to Los Angeles. Uh, Oftentimes, they were just driving across the empty, trackless deserts of the Southwest. Um, This was... Uh, Such a tale of independence, almost his own personal declaration of independence. Uh, They didn't even tell their parents they were going. They said they were going to go work in the Kansas wheat fields (laughs) to make some money for college. And they just kept going west. this sense of freedom, of independence, of personal responsibility, of uh, of, of of being, you know, adequate and uh, able to face the world. I think it's a, a story that all of us who have been feeling anxious or depressed or fearful about the future uh, can can gain from to connect with that sense of adventure and of possibility and uh, of the idea that uh, life is a great thing to be seized and, and, uh, and live to the fullest.
0: The Untold Story continues right after this Uh, You know, I'm trying to imagine helicopter parents of today, you know, (laughs) letting their kids like just take off in a car and start driving across the country. And we've all heard, you know, somewhat similar stories. I I talked to this one man once who rode a motorcycle, you know, across the country at age 14 or something. And I think about Mm -hmm. Ludwig Bemelman, who came from Germany, uh, you know, at 15 across the ocean as a painter, a child, really 15 years old. So that sense of adventure and allowing young people to do things, I think also, It came from the fact that such young people were going off to war um, around that time as well, perhaps. But one of the things that I love in in the section that I just read of your book, uh, the book of Charlie, is that he gains his sense of meaning and confidence from what he has been able to pull off for others, that he he was able to help his, his mother to support his family. They had five kids when his father died. So he, he seems to find his purpose and meaning in, you know, those confidence-building moments in his life.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, it's not to say that he was not grief-stricken. When his father died, he was. Uh, he had a really tough patch, but he came out of it by... Um, in large part by his mother uh, extending her confidence in him. I I really uh, grew to admire his mother. Um, I wish I had encountered her uh, a little bit earlier in my own parenting journey. I probably would have been less of a helicopter dad than I've been. But as, as Charlie put it, she put the responsibility of life on us and, by meeting those challenges um, and taking over, uh, you know, various jobs first around the house and then picking up work after school um, to contribute to the family finances, you know, that built his confidence. It made him believe in himself. And this is something we need to give uh, our young people and we need to embrace ourselves. It's, it, it doesn't mean that you're uh, alone in the world. Uh, It means that you have enough inner resources to be useful to other people and to be part of the community. Charlie wound up ultimately being a doctor, and he often said to me, uh, it was the greatest privilege a person could have because no profession allows you to be so intimately useful to people in need. Uh, this, this desire to connect and be part of a community and be helpful to others was the greatest source of joy, I
0: think, in his life. It's beautiful. And, you know, since I haven't gotten to the end of the book yet and I'm enjoying it so much and I really encourage people to to get their hands on this book, especially this week, the 4th of July, as we're all kind of reflecting on service and on the importance of the country. I think, you know, so much we've lost a lot of that obviously, in this moment in history. So as he later in life, just give us a little bit of a view towards the the later part of the book and his aging and and how your your friendship grew. Well, uh, just a
1: couple of, of, of points to touch on those. And I thank you very much for for that endorsement of the book of Charlie. uh, It means the world to me. Um, Charlie was often asked uh, for his philosophy of life. And uh, he always said he didn't really have one that uh, the closest he came to a philosophy of life was his uh, mother telling him do the right thing, which really is a pretty good philosophy if you think about it. But, Very near the end of his life, uh, we found, after he died, uh, a a piece of notepaper he had taken out where he wrote down simple ideas, little two and three word statements about what he had learned in 108 years at that point, and uh, Uh, about living and it was almost like a computer operating code for happiness and meaning it was little things like uh you know uh find beauty in the world uh connect with other people forgive and seek forgiveness uh take risks be willing to fail uh enjoy wonder be soft sometimes, Mm. cry if you need to. And these things added up. Uh, At first I read them and I thought, these are a lot of kind of greeting card sentiments or, or Facebook memes. But as I thought about it more, I realized that No, he had lived long enough that he had boiled life down to its essence. And these kinds of statements are not uh, trite. Uh, They're familiar to us because they're true. He, he got down to the essence of life and realized that it's, uh, even in all its complexity, even with all the changes we face and, and the uncertainty we live through, the, the right way to live is p- pretty simple. And it has to do with doing the right thing, uh, being appreciative, and uh, a- a- and treating others the way we want to be treated.
0: How did he deal with his death and how did you deal with losing your friend?
1: Well, I talk about the the various times as he went on from 104, 105, 106. (laughs) Uh, He would have little medical issues, a broken bone or a case of pneumonia, uh, things where you're familiar with this being kind of the beginning of the end. And and so I had rehearsed the thought that Charlie was going to go a couple of times. He always bounced back uh, marvelously. Uh, but when he was 108, he did start talking about he, he thought he, he the end was coming. And, and then he announced that he wanted to make it to 109. And I thought, wow, that's a strange attitude from this friend of mine who understands that we don't control things like uh, life and death. Uh, but I'll let, I'll let readers find out just how far he made it.
0: And, you know, in the beginning, David, you say that you had always wanted to you love to read to your children, I think you know, as parents, that is one of the great joys of having young children is reading books with them and reading books to them, but that you wanted to write something for them. What has the reaction been of your children and what have they learned about you through this book?
1: That's that's a great question. And, and each of my four kids are, are kind of taking the book in, in different ways. And uh, they've been very kind with their feedback. I think my favorite feedback that I've gotten uh, is uh, my o- oldest daughter who said that uh, the experience of of trudging through high school English classes had sort of ruined her love for books that <laughs> we had developed when she was little and that uh, the experience of reading, Book of Charlie, and remembering this old man who had been a friend of hers. She used to bake birthday cakes for him each year. Um, This had awakened her love of reading again. And uh, for a writer... Um, who was not able to write the kind of, you know, uh, pirate adventure or uh, wizarding book that I I know they wanted when they were little. To hear that kind of feedback was just super gratifying.
0: You know, I guess my last question, David, is... How did this experience of his friendship impact you? You know, did, did it change the way you get up in the morning and, and look at life? You changed something really big in your life from moving from Washington to the middle of the heartland of the country in Kansas City. Um, what's the biggest lesson that you learned from from Charlie? Uh,
1: you know, it did impact me. And I do now uh, wake up and and first thing I do every morning is try to Put on, uh, you know, an attitude of thankfulness for the things that are going right and the opportunities that uh, lie in front of me. And this is very much influenced by Charlie, you know, who had lived through some horrible things, both personally and in the world. The 20th century had all sorts of horrible darkness in it, as we know. And yet, uh, I saw and was affected by the way he had chosen to... Tell his own story uh, in a positive key, uh, as a story of uh, you know success even when he, he loved talking about all the mistakes he'd made in life. And, and, and yet he understood that mistakes and setbacks are as much a part of our personal stories as our successes and our triumphs. They make us who we are. And to be comfortable um, and happy uh, with who we are is, is the starting point. To, to that sense of community that you talked about at the beginning, uh, Martha, that uh, we can't come from a dark place to shed light in the world. We have to bring that light uh, along with us. And, and this example of this uh, w- wonderful friend, you know, who was, continuing to develop his connections to the world all the way to the end uh, really drove that home for me.
0: Um, okay, last question, I promise. Are, are you? Was he optimistic about the future? Because I, I've done a lot of work with World War II veterans who are in this age range, and I've traveled with them and heard their stories. And a lot of them, I have to admit. Although they're great, inspiring people, they say, you know, the country doesn't look the same to me anymore. You know, I don't recognize a lot of what I see going on right now. And I think that those times were were better. Did he feel that way? And are you optimistic about the future living in the middle of our country?
1: Yeah, you know, Charlie was optimistic to the end, um, and uh, he he had tremendous joy around his grandkids and I think a great sense of possibility for them. And I got to tell you, I am tremendously optimistic about the future of the United States. And the reason is because we are ultimately a nation of Charlies. We're a nation of people who, uh, yeah, we go through hard times and I agree that we're in one now, but we've always uh, found our way through them. And I don't see any reason to think we won't. Again, people are going to uh, begin to reassert our, our own personal control over the things we can control, namely our attitudes, our uh, outlook on life, uh, whether we're going to be positive forces or negative forces in our communities. And uh, I I think the the people who vote for positivity are going to come out on top again uh, after being kind of, you know, knocked around for the past uh, 10 or 20 years.
0: David Vandrali, very good to have you with us today. It's called The Book of Charlie. It's already a bestseller. It should absolutely be on your summer reading list. It's joyful and deep and thought provoking. And the subtitle is Wisdom from the Remarkable American Life of a 109 year old man. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you.
1: Thank you for your interest, and I've really enjoyed the conversation.
0: You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.